Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week in E-Town, we're going to revisit one of our favorite shows, and it starts right now. Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guests. From Egypt and now living in exile in Sweden, Rami Asan. Our Achievement Award winner, Joseph Teipel. And from Atlanta, Georgia, Rising Appalachia. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. Welcome to E-Town. So when I think about early influential musicians in my life, in addition to the Beatles and Doc Watson and Jimi Hendrix and all of that, I come up with names like Pete Seeger, who lived near me when I was growing up, Pop Staples, Mavis Staples, Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan. And one thing that those guys all have in common is that they wrote songs and sang songs that uh, they hoped would make a difference, usually on behalf of people who were struggling, Southern blacks, workers, miners, women, fighting for civil rights in its many forms. They actually put themselves in harm's way to sing. Both of our guests this week come from that same tradition, writing and singing songs that they hope will bring people together, make things better. Rami Assam is here, and he was literally the troubadour of the Egyptian revolution in Tahrir Square in 2011, singing for hundreds of thousands of protesters. So he's here this week. And our first guests have been um, traveling around for nearly two decades, listening playing, singing, exploring the ties between the traditional Appalachian music that they grew up uh, listening to because their parents played that stuff, but also the music of inner city Atlanta where they lived and the music of all over the world as they traveled. And they recognize that music is a great connector and they've been activists who found ways to contribute along the way. They also make records and they play concerts and they have lives, these two sisters, Leah and Chloe. And they're here with their bandmates. David and Biko to play some songs from their latest record. Really happy that they're back with us. Please welcome back to E-Town, Rising Appalachia. Yeah. Prayers to the waters, 
women at the center, all vessels open to give and receive. Let's see this system right down to its knees.
Um, welcome, Rising Appalachia. Welcome back to E-Town. Leah and Chloe, good to see you both. So good to be here. David and Biko sound great, too. Yes, they you do. You guys have been playing together for a long time. I'm always impressed by your energy. We've played some of the same festivals over the years, and um, it's great to see how you connect with your audience. You let them in, mm. take them somewhere. It's cool. <laughs> and it's kind of a remarkable and unique uh, kind of hillbilly world music that you do. It's, uh, you know, it's, you've done some traveling, you paid attention. What's like one wild adventure you had since the last time we saw each other? Well, I just want to start by saying nobody's coined it hillbilly world music, and I think I like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All we've, right. We've had a lot of other toys it's of hard to the describe. genre. Yeah. But not just hillbilly world music. All right. But since last time we were here, <laughs> to answer your question, uh, one of the most interesting things we did was a sailboat tour off the coast of British Columbia in Canada. And it was a way to connect music with the land, with farmers and permaculture mm -hmm. that was up in that area. But also for us as musicians to slow down and just go back to like a troubadour style of sharing music with the world that isn't about gas stations and rushing and mm -hmm. all the stuff. It sounds amazing. It also sounds like you can't play very many gigs in a week. No. Yeah. No. So, so it's, um, <laughs> it's tricky when you've got an agent and a manager and bandmates and um, house payments. Yeah. But it sounds like you're, you're onto something, and it's enviable. And it's something that, particularly if you can travel light, travel lean mm -hmm. a little bit, 
You can mm. get into the local community and the local music scene and the local food scene. That sounds great. Mm. Um, I want to touch briefly on the new record. It's called Ley Lines. Yeah. And you recorded at Oceanside in California. We did. And you brought in, in addition to these two band members, you brought in a couple others, one from Africa and one from Ireland. Yeah. So it's, again, sort of that cross-continental musical mm. connection. Yeah. I know it may seem obvious, but tell us why you do that. Yeah, I think our the name of our project, Rising Appalachia, has always held that in it, where we want to take the bedrock and the foundation of Appalachian music, which is what we were born and raised into, and also rise out of it and create a space for a modern vernacular, a modern folk music that feels like it is honoring the stories of mm -hmm. our times. And uh, the banjo is an African instrument. It's the ancestor of a Senegalese instrument called the Akonting. And obviously the fiddle traditions come very deeply from Ireland and Scotland and the British Isles area. And so I think the bedrock of Appalachian music already brings that global reach. Mm -hmm. and, and Just to shining a light on it. Another chapter in hillbilly world music. Yeah, hillbilly world yeah. music. Um, as you think about the things you've done, you know, marching, protesting, being there, showing up for indigenous rights or environmental justice, racial justice, other causes. Is there anything among all those things you've done that makes you feel particularly proud, like, wow, we really helped accomplish this thing? Because I think so many of us aim in that direction, it's not easy to know yeah. or yeah. see exactly what the results are. Yeah, that's true. Um, the one that comes to mind, we gathered with a small crew of people and spent about 11 hours with all of these musicians performing at Sterling Prison, which is Colorado's largest male prison. And we were able to bring in two different concerts all in the open yard in two different levels of security and in the prison with an amazing volunteer coordinator. And just to be able to get off the stage and bring our music into a place that is very raw and very intense, but also extremely deep, mm -hmm. and have these conversations and interactions with incredibly powerful, bright, clear-eyed, hard-hit men, you know, mm -hmm. and, and be able to stand there and have that experience collectively was extremely powerful. Well, that's and, a great story. And a reminder yeah. that, you know, that the walls are really false, you know. Everybody has a story to tell, and they all want a place and a way to connect and tell that story. And that was yeah. a really powerful experience yeah. for our whole crew. Well, you guys are great connectors wherever you go. Anyway, I'm glad you're back. We got a lot of music to get to. Help me welcome back, if you would, Rising Appalachia. Nick, we'd like to invite you up on this one. Helen, you all join us? I'd love to. Yeah? Sure. Put your hands together for Nick and Helen. They're going to sit in on this song. They've only heard it maybe once, maybe. Maybe twice? <laughs> but they helped us come up with our new favorite arrangement it's of this true. song, which is a favorite song, but they added a lot of sparkle. It's so true. I think it's going to evolve from... E town on out. Mm. Ready? Five, six, Medicine woman, medicine man. Walking with grace, I know your face, I trust your hand. Medicine woman, medicine man. 
Walking with grace, I know your face, I trust your
Appalachia, Leah Song, Chloe Smith, David Brown, Biko, Cassini, Rising Appalachia. The record's called Ley Lines, and they'll be back to play some more music later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. Forster, you're listening to E-Town. Rising Appalachia is going to be back later on in the show. And coming up, Rami Assam, as I mentioned, the troubadour of the uh, Tahrir Square Egyptian Revolution, who sang his uh, original songs for hundreds of thousands of protesters. He's here for his first visit. He's going to be up right after this, because right now we're going to introduce you to someone we uh, got to know with the help of one of our listeners. Um, we get to do this every week. It's always a story about somebody who's done something so positive and noticeable in their community that one of their friends or neighbors thought to send us their story to see if we could feature it on a show. It's kind of grassroots storytelling, inspiring tales of people who are stepping up and making a difference. It's the Achievement Award. And here comes Helen Forster to tell you about this week's winner. Thank you, Nick. This week's story comes from listener Carrie Greenberg. She told us about two young men, Joseph Teibel and Eric Kornacki, who met in college and traveled to Nicaragua as part of a service learning project while they were students at the University of Denver. While in Nicaragua, they learned firsthand about systemic poverty, and both came home wanting to make a difference in some way. Now, Joseph had thought about becoming a police officer, but after studying criminology, he found it was too focused on the negative, not solutions-based enough for him. So he tried AmeriCorps, he tried Habitat for Humanity, but eventually he and Eric researched marginalized communities in their own backyard. They found a low-income neighborhood called Westwood that was really struggling. Among the many challenges that neighborhood happened to face was that it was what was called a food desert, lacking a grocery store in the area, which resulted in very restricted access to healthy, fresh foods. So Eric and Joseph started something called Revision to teach people in Westwood to grow their own vegetables. And the results have been amazing. Please help me welcome to tell us more, Joseph Teibel.
Joseph, welcome to E-Town. Thank you. Thanks for coming. It sounds like quite a journey as you looked around for a way to make a difference as a young person. It's pretty cool, actually. Not everybody does that. What did you see that inspired you so much when you got down to Nicaragua? I experienced firsthand uh, families living on dumps, children playing baseball in the trash, families dealing with access to healthy water out in the mountains where you would think it would be pristine and yet pollution had come in through industry. And did you first think, well, I'll help people in faraway places? Absolutely. It also sounds like you looked a little closer to home. We did. Eric and I were very intentional that we wanted to ensure we were working with folks that wouldn't otherwise have access to resources. So we were looking for marginalized communities. We were introduced to the folks in Westwood, Mm -hmm. and we saw a very vibrant, beautiful community that also faced challenges around access to healthy food, infrastructure, disinvestment. And What does that mean, disinvestment and access to food? Like there weren't grocery stores there or what? Mainly given the demographics of the neighborhood, folks didn't feel like it was worthy of investment. We saw two assets that the community had. One was the people and the folks that lived there were primarily from Mexico and came from an agrarian background. were very connected to the earth and to the land and to their food where they came from, but they might have lost that connection coming to Mm -hmm. Denver. The other asset was that there was a lot of land, uh, single family homes, large plots of land, no history of contamination. So we really wanted to help families connect those two assets by teaching families to, to produce food in their own backyards. That's cool. We started with seven families in 2009, and since have started over 2,000 backyard gardens in Southwest Denver alone. 2,000 backyard gardens. Yeah. Holy smokes. Wow. Wild. And so the following year in 2010, when 65 families wanted to participate, we looked at other models and we found the Promotora model. And the Promotora model is where you uh, take more of a train-the-trainer aspect where you find existing community leaders that are working in their communities and you train them to then work with their neighbors and their peers. Mm-hmm. Each promotora will build relationships and build gardens with cool. you know, 20 to 40 families per year. Yeah. Um, so is it a high um, incidence of obesity or diabetics in this neighborhood? Yeah, Westwood and the surrounding area, 80219 is a zip code. Unfortunately, children that are born there live on average 12 years less than their peers born elsewhere in Denver. Wild. 76% of the adults report being overweight or obese. It has one of the fastest growing rates of childhood obesity in the state. Hmm. So it's definitely an area where your access to healthy food directly impacts these other areas of your life in very real ways. That's wild. Is this replicable, what you've done there? And is it the kind of thing that could be you know, reproduced in other communities? That's certainly our hope. Mm-hmm. And so we've been working with communities in Tucson, communities in Omaha, communities in Detroit, and other places to help you know, share what we know. So cool. Well, Joseph, you and Eric, really great examples of young people who wanted to make a difference, and you found a very tangible way to do that. And clearly you have. I mean, if you've got that many gardens built and those many people engaged, you really are you know, really changing lives for people. And I think that's very noble. You should be proud. Thank you. Joseph, is there a website if somebody wants to learn more about what you're up to, they can go check out and see what you're doing? Why, yes, there is. (laughs) Revision.coop. Revision.coop, C-O-O-P. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, this is the winner of this week's Achievement Award, Joseph Teipel, along with his partner, Eric, founders of the organization called Revision. Thanks, Joseph. Many thanks to Carrie Greenberg for this story. And if you just tuned in and you missed part of this interview, you can find it on our website, etown.org. 
Or if you want to nominate somebody doing work to better the lives of others in some way, you can do that on our website as well. Or you can always contact us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, Joseph. We have more music coming up from Rising Appalachia in just a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you about our next guest. Rami Assam was a student in Cairo and was, like so many of his uh, countrymen, struggling under the oppressive regime of then-President Hosni Mubarak. Then came the revolution, the protest that took over Tahrir Square in downtown Cairo in 2011. So this guy with his acoustic guitar, Rami, he became the voice of the revolution in a way. He was right there in the thick of it with his original songs. Everybody was singing along. And that historic protest turned revolution. It really involved millions of Egyptian citizens and famously brought down Mubarak's regime, but, but gave power to the military. Pretty soon, Rami, as the voice uh, people knew, was arrested, beaten, tortured, eventually forced to leave uh, his native Egypt. And he landed in Sweden. He's been continuing to write and perform with the same passion and intensity that electrified a whole generation of Egyptians. Uh, it's just a great honor to have him on the show. Please welcome to E-Town for his first visit, Rami Assam. Our first song, it's about um, people that are missing home because on our planet we, we know that there are many, many people that had to flee, had to leave their homes. And these people missed their homes and their people, their streets, their friends, their family. And I'm one of those. And the next song is called Lissa Bahanilha, which means I still belonging to her. I'm 
تلعبي الكلمة وتفاصيلها تسلك في متاهة شاطر تحبكها وترجع تلايمها أنا أصلا مشكلتي في عينها تاخدني بلاد توديني وبلادي اللي أنا أصلا منها بيعاني وبتطلعيني أنا أصلا مشكلتي في عينها تاخدني بلاد وتوديني وبلادي اللي أنا أصلا منها بيعاني وبتطلعيني جبتك يا حبيبتي وسبتيني وأنا عاشق لسه بحن محتاج تحضني تخبيني yeah. انا هرجع تاني على الحارة لريحة الفول والطعمية انا زي السمكة في السنارة Rami Hassan, welcome to E-Town. It's just a remarkable journey, powerful story yours is. Before we talk about the revolution and Tahrir Square and all of that, I want to know a little bit more about just Rami. You know, what were you up to? What were you studying in school? What were you hoping to do? What was your family like? I, uh, I studied uh, architecture, but I didn't finish. I chose music in the end. Before that, my biggest love was just playing soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Did you listen to uh, American music or, or Western music at all? Yeah, my, my, the, my, the bands that inspired me from here is um, Nirvana, Rage Against the Machine, System of a Down. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> um, and your friends too? Your friends were all into those same bands? Oh, no, the rock music was not so popular in Egypt, but yeah. my older brother, Shadi, he introduced it to me, yeah. and yeah, we had a community for sure. That's cool. Yeah. I have to say, at least for a little while, we got to just at least tell the story of the revolution. I've seen the footage, you know, from 60 Minutes, and there's a Netflix special called The Square. Unbelievable scenes of hope and solidarity, of community and violence and heartbreak as Egyptians were killing Egyptians using real bullets. I mean, it's a stunning scene in Egyptian history, that Tahrir Square in January of 2011. It must have been amazing to be a part of it. It was the best experience for me and for any human being that was part of yeah. the movement. It was the first time to really experience freedom. Yeah. Even if the country was still under the dictatorship till today, but we felt freedom yeah. at that moment. Yeah. When Mubarak stepped down, you felt like you had accomplished 
the impossible, I'm sure. That was absolutely the feeling. But we found out later that we were mistaken when we just uh, thought that the problem is only Mubarak as a person. But we found out that the problem is the system with all the roots. Yeah. So we did this, but mm -hmm. we still have lots of work to, to do. Yeah. And I think it's you know remarkable, again, without dwelling on it too much, just the fact that once the uh, military regime took over and they were also unhappy with what was happening on, in, in Tahrir Square. And you, as a recognizable person from that, were arrested, beaten, tortured, and you got up the next day and were singing and playing again. Yeah. I was lucky to have the tool, my guitar, and I saw how much this can be helpful for the people. And yeah. I just uh, felt that I have to continue, especially when you see authorities with weapons and big power, afraid of chants and afraid of guitar and music. Right. So you should continue then. Yeah. Um, can you translate? I know some of the songs you were singing that everybody was singing along with, hundreds of thousands of people were singing along. What were you singing about? I don't speak Arabic, so I don't know. <laughs> My biggest song that happened during the movement was um, a song called Erhal, which means leave. And uh, the beauty of this song that it came out from the heart of the people, from the revolution itself. Mm -hmm. And I just picked up like the um, biggest three chants and I added one extra line and I made it a song. And the first time I was singing, people knew the lyrics because it was the chance that they're using already. And it was super big from the first moment. And we were saying in the first phrase, we are all one hand, have one demand, leave. All one hand means Christians, Muslims, Egyptians, we're all one humans. hand, we're all connected humans. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. It, it was just we all one hand because yeah. the beauty of the movement that there are many people that would never have a chance even to have a conversation, but the movement got everybody together in the end. Such an incredible moment in history. And of course it continues. Yeah. People are still imprisoned and you're not really able to travel back to Egypt at this point. No. And you still have family there. Yeah, I'm counting days to go back yeah. and I'm living, carrying this dream with me, yeah. but it's so hard at the moment. Yeah. So for a guy who travels around playing and singing, that's a challenge. It was a big one. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. And so um, you're still writing songs. I know one of the songs you've collaborated on recently, you had an interesting collaborator, Woody Guthrie. Yes. <laughs> I wish I met him, but yeah. yes. How did that happen? How did that even come to pass? Valerie then, she's my manager, and she used to work with the Guthrie family. And she showed me one day an essay from Woody Guthrie that wasn't even written to be a song. And the message in the text was amazing. I ain't gonna kill nobody. That's the message. And uh, I just loved the text so much and I took it as a challenge that I want to compose it even if it's not written yeah. as a song. And I think that um, it ended well. Has the Guthrie family heard the song? Yeah, sure. Okay. We, we did it first and then we sent it to Nora Guthrie and yeah. they loved it and they gave us the right to use it. Oh, that's so cool. Co-writer with Woody Guthrie. That's, that's pretty cool. Cool. And I know that a lot of the songs you write are about this same spirit of wanting to lift people up and help people and people who are oppressed or people who are looking for freedom. There are so many places in the world where this struggle is going on. Do you feel a particular connection or, or kinship with any other uh, country or any other people or any other struggle in particular? Uh, definitely, yes. I think when people don't travel, we just are so locked in our bubble. And I was also like that. And 
you think that you are the only one in a bad situation. But when you start to travel, you see that you share pain with everybody all over the world. Yeah. It must be sad for you to think about your home country and your friends who are imprisoned or yes. your family that you can't visit, your country that you can't visit. Yes. But to translate that sadness into some hope and some creativity, it's, it's good work. Thanks, Nick. Let's get back to music. Welcome back, Rami Hassan. Thank you. Next song for the workers. The lyrics is written about 80 years ago or more by the poet Bairam Tunsi. He's a great poet. Say it, come. Hey, 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 hey. 
Rami Hassan, along with Johan Carlberg, Andy Etones, Christian Teal, Ron Jolly, Chris Engelman, Ellen Forster from Egypt, now living in exile in Sweden, Rami Hassan. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota, on KRCB in Ronard Park, California, and on KRNN in Juneau, Alaska. As always, if you'd like some more information about any of our guests, or you want to see some photos, or especially the videos from this week's show, and so many more videos, all that stuff, available and free online at etown.org. Quite the spicy gumbo this week. We've got some great ingredients. Gardens to help rebuild a sense of community and uh, singing to millions for a revolution and traveling the world looking to make connections across cultures. And, uh, and we're not done. So right now, would you help me please welcome back to the stage Rising Appalachia. Well, we want to uh, 
to do a song right now that was written by our dear friend Maura Smiley, who has traveled the world using songs to empower and connect. And we'd like to dedicate this song to Rami and his incredible and powerful story. So thank you so much for sharing that with all of us and for being here with us. out here to do one more song. We'd like to thank all of our guests. I want to thank, of course, our award winner, uh, Joseph Teipel, coming out and sharing a story about gardening in the Westwood neighborhood in Denver, really bringing that community together. 
Thanks to the E-Tones and Helen Forster. Thanks to Rami Assam, along with Johan Carlberg. Thanks to Rising Appalachia. We picked out a good song. We're going to fake you out a little bit at the top, but it's a great song for us to wind things up with. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. donor-supported nonprofit organization with help from all of our fine staff and recorded live at E-Town Hall. To make an Achievement Award nomination, comment on the show in general, or get tickets to a live taping, feel free to visit our website, etown.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign there, and on sign it said no trespassing, but on the other side, it didn't say nothing That side was made for you and me This land is your land This land is my land From California To the New York Island From the Redwood Forest To the Gulfstream Distribution of E-Town is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you.
This is a production of E-Town. There you have it, Rising Appalachia. Rami Assam, cool achievement award winner. Thanks to Joseph Teipel for joining us. He's the co-founder of Revision. What an amazing finale. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.